eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one Winning Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Baltimore Post Game Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan. Here with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. So, Cordell, we, we know by now that on Thursday, um, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta will be speaking to the media. Um, this is kind of like their... Uh, would you consider this the end of the season press yeah. conference? Because, I mean, they are. because in the past, I, you know, Bashadi has been there, but but it, once again, it feels like he's not going to be there. Yeah, he. I, I wouldn't hold my breath on Bashadi being there. All right, cool. So, John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, no Bashadi at the press conference. And so, of course, everybody's curious to know what will be discussed because there's different things that, you know, the Ravens need to talk about. And so, I think the biggest thing that we are looking for is if the Ravens will part ways with Greg Roman, whose contract is expired after the season, or will they resign him? I I, I am not going to say what I think is going to happen with this fan base if they say they're bringing him back, because that's going to be very interesting. But um, I think that that's probably the biggest priority that fans will want to hear outside of the conversation about Lamar's contract, which I would have to assume um, the GM DaCosta will discuss as well. Another topic that I think will people will want to discuss is draft because you do have to start preparing for that and free agency as well. How you're going about upgrading your wide receiver position. What are you going to do with the cornerback position? So let's start with the um, offensive coordinator position. How do you think that this goes? Because they haven't said anything. All, all these other teams are starting to do interviews with guys, and the Ravens have yet to say anything about any of, of the coaching situations. Yeah, Jeff Zreback, who we had on on the podcast, what, a week or so ago, put out an article uh, today, and he had in there just you know just looking ahead at the offseason and he was responding to people on Twitter uh as well that read the article and he made a good point when somebody asked him about Greg Roman and if he thought if they thought if 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 Jeff thought that we had seen the last of Greg Roman in Baltimore and Jeff said that you know he's on the fence he's I, I think I don't want to put words in his mouth but I believe he thought that this is it for Greg Roman, but he also said he's not necessarily sold that we've seen the last of Greg Roman because he thought this in the past. He thought last year was going to be it for Greg Roman. And, you know, he's he talked about how John in the past has had these offensive coordinators that fans and everybody thought was had had worn out their welcome and was on their way out of Baltimore. And then you look and they're here for an additional year. So anything can happen. And you said it. I mean, you look around the league, a lot of teams have already parted ways with offensive coordinators. They are already interviewing some of these other top offensive coordinators that are available right now. And considering the Ravens haven't said anything or and hasn't mentioned Greg Roman or anything as far as their plans with the offensive coordinator position, 
you know, it, it, it it's opening the door a little bit to maybe Greg Roman is going to stick around. I, I don't know what's going to end up happening. I, I'm curious to find out what John is going to say, if anything, if he's reached a decision or, you know, maybe maybe that is going to be something that he drops on us at the press conferences that they have decided to part ways with Greg Roman. But I could also think I also think that the most likely response is going to be that they're still going through the process, that they're still having the conversations as far as what they want to do uh, this offseason pertaining to the coaching staff. I, I, I don't think that they're going to come and drop that bomb on us at the press conference. It, maybe they do. But it just seems like the way that the Ravens really operate as of late is they're going to put it out on their own. You know, they're not going to necessarily give us uh, the nugget that they know that we're all there looking for. So it, it's crazy because I, I between Greg Roman not being announced that the team has let him go and Brandon Staley looking like he's going to stay in Los Angeles, I mean – I don't know what to make of some of this stuff. You know, you you think that you know what's going to what was going to happen based off of the product that you see on the field, you know, based off the production uh, that we've seen. It's it's hard for me to come up with a reason as to why I think Greg Roman should remain the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. They gave him the benefit of the doubt after last season with all the injuries, specifically the Lamar injury last year. Okay, I understand. Um, I still thought that Wink should have, if you were going to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, I felt like it should have been Wink over Greg Roman just because Wink's track record to me is, you know, more sustainable than Roman's is. But okay, you go and you let Wink go. I think that was literally a mutual decision. I think both sides wanted something new. Um, and Roman is kind of, you know, the, the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. He's He's sticking around. And then here we go into this year. It's worse. I, I would say I think the offense was worse this year than it was last year, despite Lamar not being there last year as well. I mean, even down the stretch last year, they were still able to score. Po- I mean, we never talked about the Ravens offense last year the way we did this year. And Correct. that's them having, you know, a, 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 a street team for the running back group. You know, no Dobbins, no Edwards, no Hill, a totally different running back group, a backup quarterback out there. and you still had you you still saw a better offense than the one you saw this year and they had a terrible offensive line last year one of the yep. worst offensive lines in the league and it's just crazy that this year you know I think they took a step back so I am curious to see what they do with this Greg Roman situation but I'm not holding my breath that on the fact that John Harbaugh is going to give us uh his decision on what Greg Roman Greg Roman's future will be like in Baltimore I don't I don't think we're going to find that out on Thursday another thing that we're going to be interested in seeing is you know or hearing is you know the the contract negotiations are they going to start up what are their plans are and and look I don't expect the Ravens to say anything out of the norm I expect them to be like yeah we're going to you know start some contract negotiations I don't know how true that's going to be or not but I, I feel like that that's what's going to be said. I don't think that anything specific or anything um, that's going to be groundbreaking will be said on Thursday. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't I don't know if anything groundbreaking is going to be said. I think when it comes to the Lamar contract situation, we got to kind of just take whatever they're willing to give because they've been both sides, Lamar and the team have been so tight-lipped when it comes to this contract negotiation. So any any crumb they're willing to give, we, we it's just another piece to the puzzle, right? You know, that's what we've done. We've been they we've had to just take every little piece of information that they give us and kind of just add it to the uh to the board. You know, it's like the detectives when they when they have the uh the board up and they're mapping out everything when they're trying to solve a case. We're just adding another another piece uh, to the puzzle, so to speak. So I, I, I would expect them to at least tell us that they, I, I would imagine that Eric DaCosta has reached out to Lamar by now. I think that they would probably have had a conversation by now, or at least tried to. Now, whether Lamar has answered the phone or done whatever, I don't know. But Lamar was in the building on cleanup day on Monday. Uh, he wasn't in the locker room 
but he was in the building. Okay. So uh, it's not out of the realm that maybe that, you know, on his way out, Eric DaCosta gave him one last, you know, who one last Hail Mary to think about as he goes, you know, back to Florida or whatever he's about to do for the first couple of weeks of the offseason. But I, I, I would I would find it hard to believe that Eric DaCosta and these guys let him walk out of the building at the end of the season without any type of offer, despite what everybody thinks about their relationship the between Lamar and the team. I still think that this team would like to have Lamar as their quarterback going forward. I, I, I really believe that. And I think Lamar wants to still be in Baltimore. I yes, think he does. That, yeah, I think when it comes to both of these sides, I think that they just want what they want. They want it to be on their terms, both of these guys. And somebody's going to have to cave. I don't know who's going to cave first. Um, the the team, both both sides have reasons as to why they should be looking for what they're looking for. Right. You know, if you're the team, you could obviously come to Lamar and be like, hey, man, you haven't been able to finish the last two seasons. You, you're still chasing the ghost of 2019. Um, we, we haven't been able to have playoff success with you at the quarterback position. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And if you're Lamar, you could say, you know, you have, you, you could be like, look at what you've been able to do when I'm not out there. Look at what the weapons I have at my disposal and what I've been able to do with a little bit of resources I've had. Um, and you, you could, Lamar could talk about, I've had an offensive coordinator that's kind of been at a, you know, at a standstill the last couple of years. And we have squeezed every little bit out of this orange that we possibly can. I lost my best friend and Marquise Brown on the team who left because of production reasons. You got, you got uh, uh, JK Dobbins complaining about things in the offense. Like, you know, it's no secret. This offense is built around, what I do, and I'm not, I don't even want to say it's built around what I do. I would say if I'm Lamar, I would say this offense is really dependent on what I do. The offense is driven by my production. I, if I'm not out there, you have no offense. Um, so I, I think both, I think both sides have something to argue. And Lamar could honestly say that, you know, I, if you don't want me, somebody else will ultimately. People can say what they want about nobody's going to pay Lamar this, this, and that they're crazy. Somebody's going to pay this dude. It's, it's, it's franchises around the NFL that are at rock bottom at the quarterback position that are desperate for a name like Lamar Jackson, the name alone, not just the, what you get on the field, but just what comes with having Lamar Jackson on your team from the business aspect is going to be something that I feel like NFL franchises are going to want to pay for. So, you know, they, like I said, both sides have their reasons as to why they should probably stand firm on what they're looking for. Um, and ultimately this is, this is probably one of those times where it would be great to have Bashadi there because he's the one that's got to sign the check, How about for, it? you know, for, for Lamar Jackson. So Eric DaCosta could say what he wants. John Harbaugh could say what he wants, but ultimately Steve Bashadi is going to be the guy that has the power in his hands of whether or not he wants to give Lamar this game changing type of contract or not. I agree. Um, One of the last things I think that we will be talking about, well, not last, but, but there's a couple of things. So there's guys that will be contemplating coming back or retirement, like a Justin Houston or Calais Campbell. Um, And so free agency and draft will be a conversation that, that I assume will be had. Um, Clearly the Ravens need another receiver on the outside because we saw what they were like when Rashad Bateman went down. Um, and so cornerback is another thing that you have to assume that they're going to look into because, I, you know, I I don't know if they bring Marcus Peters back. Um, if, if they do, I'm sure it's some type of deal that they'll get out of it. Um, but they definitely need some cornerback depth there. And, you know, th- there'll be some what I, I'd say pa- pass rusher potentially because you see, look, Away, I'm glad you showed up, but we still don't really know what a job away is. And we know that this team is very um, savvy on pass rushers. They love them. They, they they just always like to collect them like Pokemons. So uh-huh. um, I, I'd have to assume that free agency uh, within their own 
players within outside players and draft is a, is a, a conversation that will also be had uh, as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think just in terms of the pass rushers, I wouldn't be surprised if they fell content with what they have. They've got a lot of youth along that defensive front. Um, when you go from Oway down to Matabike, Travis Jones, Roger Washington, who I think had a monumental leap uh, in his development this year, um, and, and then David Ajabo on, on on the other outside. I think that they will try to bring in a veteran, uh, maybe keep Justin Houston around. He said that he's open to coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Houston is the lone veteran that they add. But I, I honestly think that they may feel like they're content with what they have. That's not to say that they won't necessarily snag a guy maybe on the late end of the draft or maybe bring in another veteran guy for depth. But as far as guys who are going to be big time contributors, I think that they like the core that they have in this youth group uh, along the front line. And maybe what Adafi always showed on the back end of the season is going to give them optimism that he can kind of be that guy next year. And Adafi talked to us on Monday and, he said that, you know, his, his shoulder and stuff kind of hampered the start of his season. He didn't have an offseason, so he's excited to finally have an offseason where he's not having a surgery or having a rehab anything. He'll actually be able to rest and work on his game as opposed to just trying to get himself physically ready uh, to play. We'll see if that if that makes a difference. But the wide receiver position, I mean, they've, they've got to – that's got to be the big splash this year, you know, they 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 continue to get these big splashes on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm not against it. You know, Marcus Williams, I thought was a really good signing uh, last all season. This year, though, the the wide receiver group has they have to find a way to get a premier wide receiver, and I don't think that they'll be able to do that through free agency. There aren't going to be any Devontae Adams in free agencies this year. There, you know, this this last year of the last offseason was the was the offseason to get you a wide receiver out of free agency. That that's past. Now it's a lot of wide receiver twos in free agency this year. Uh guys, well, you're gonna have to make a trade. Yeah, I would I would make a trade. I mean, I everybody's talking about DeAndre Hopkins, and obviously, if you could get DeAndre Hopkins, you do it. I'm I'm not against that whatsoever. But to put it in a more realistic terms, I don't because I don't know if they'll necessarily swing that high to go get a D hop. I think, and I said this around the trade deadline, I would like to see them go and get a guy like Brandon Cooks. I, I really think Brandon Cooks would fit really well with this offense. I know he's not the big body receiver that everybody wants, but this is a guy that is a thousand yard receiver throughout the most of his career. He's efficient. He doesn't get a ton of targets, but yet his yak ability is, is there. He can get behind a defense. He does a lot with less and he's not a guy that you have to necessarily complain, worry about complaining if he's not getting 12 targets a game. Um, this is a guy that, like I said, is very efficient with his touches. Um, and I think he wants to win. Brandon Cooks has made it clear. He just wants to be in an organization that is run well and has an opportunity to, to get back to the postseason. That's what the Ravens gives him. And, you know, he was one of the more targeted receivers in the NFL this year uh, when he did play for Houston. But when you're out there playing with Davis Mills and company, I mean, it's, right. it's tough to really have – that type of production, but I would love to see the Ravens go and get Brandon cooks and incorporate him into this offense. I mean, we saw what Marquise Brown was able to do and that's with Marquise Brown leaving plays on the field. You're Brandon cooks has better hands to me than Marquise Brown does. I think Brandon cooks is a better route runner than Marquise Brown is. I, I, I think you could really, uh, if, if you, if you tell me that you have a receiving core of Brandon cooks, Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay and hopefully they get and, and even if they go and get a Alan Lazard too or something like that okay now we're cooking with grease a little bit you know because not to say Alan Lazard is a premier receiver but I don't think the Ravens have to have the best receiving core in football they just have to have better talent than what they have yeah. um to get Brandon Cooks and Alan Lazard and add them with the Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay and Mark Andrews I, th I think that is substantially better than the receiving core that, I mean, that might be the best receiving core that Lamar's had in his career, to be honest with yeah. you. 
uh, to this point. So I, I would like to see them do that. But yeah, I mean, if they want to shoot for the stars and go get a DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be all for it. Yeah, so I, I think that those are the things that we'll be hearing from this press conference. We'll see, guys. I know it's a lot of people out here that wants Roman gone. I don't know where this goes because, again, they haven't made the move as of yet. So maybe we'll get some more clarity on where they're going from an offensive coordinator standpoint uh, at the press conference Thursday at 2.30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get into our next topic, just make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there's a new episode, you will be the first to receive it. Okay, Cordell, so let's give some grades for this year. And um, let's do offense, defense, special teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start with the defense. If you had to grade the defense after this season, what would you give them? Yeah, they were a tale of two halves. It's like, (laughs) yes. You know, it's like when you're in school and you get the progress reports in the middle of the uh, the middle of the semester uh, or back then, I guess, when we were getting progress reports, it was like in the middle of the quarter uh, right before it was like halfway through the quarter. Then you get the report cards at the end of the quarter. Um, Their progress report grade will probably be like a D, you know, or uh, at best a C minus, you know, right. Yeah, I, I I I don't think that they were a very good defense at the beginning of the year. Um, they they were a defense that could not stop a nosebleed. They had no the coaching staff didn't have any confidence in the defense, which I think went into some of their decision making on fourth down calls or you know decisions to be aggressive in some of the games that they played earlier in the year, simply because they didn't want to throw the defense back out there and put the game. In their hands, you had the defense being one of the worst passing defenses in the league for the first month or two of the season. Um, But at the trade deadline, you get Roquan Smith, and all of a sudden, things just turn around in a blink of an eye. You have one of the premier players on the defensive side of the ball in the league who actually won the Dick Buckus Award uh, on Wednesday to really round out arguably one of the greatest seasons for a linebacker in NFL history right now for, for uh, Roquan Smith, because he is individually. I mean, the dude has got a new, got an extension, one team MVP, one defensive player of the month now wins the Dick Buckets award. Oh, and is also an all pro first team, all pro and a pro bowler this year. I mean, this dude has literally done everything this season. Um, when you get a guy like that on your defense, it, it, it changes things and it, and it changed everything for, for the Ravens. So I would say as a whole, I got to take into account what they look like at first, but considering their bounce back, um, I would say that the defense on the year was a B plus a minus something in that range. I, I mean, I get the first half, but I, the second half, they were one of the best defensive units in the league. I would say, you know, right after, Probably after the 49ers and maybe depending on who you ask, they may be neck and neck or you could flip flop. But between those two defenses, I I don't know who you would take, but the Ravens were right there. They were a top three defense when the season ended. They got to get credit for that. I I would give them a B plus or A minus. 
So I, if, if we are doing by averages, and I had to give you my thoughts on the first half of the season and then the second half of the season, my first half of the season would be D minus. My second half of the season will probably be A minus. So I think that that's either a B minus or a C plus, however you, you view it. Because the overall picture is, yes, they did get better down the stretch. But I did not forget what happened mm-hmm. in the beginning. And yeah. I will not forget what happened in the beginning. And on top of that, yes, they had played well, but I did not forget that Jaguars game and yeah. how poor they were uh, on that third and 21 and that fourth down. I'm sorry. I, I, I ain't going to let you forget it, Mike McDonald. Do I think that you recovered well? I absolutely do. But overall, I, I, I have to give them a B minus, probably a C plus because of the way that they played the first half of that season and the Jaguars game. Now, I mean, listen, I would much rather you finish out the way that you did than, than the way that you started. Um, and I think that, that you know, it's, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. And I think that that's really important to say um, because, it, it, you know, it does matter. It, it, it does matter how you end up finishing these types of um, seasons. But, you know, it was rough. It was rough. And Roquan changes literally the dynamic of the defense when he gets here to Baltimore. So you you really have to um, take into account of, you know, some look, one player really just changed, changed the trajectory of what they were doing. And that that's fantastic. Um, but what were you going to do without him? That's my concern. If, you know, I, I, if hypothetically, you know, something happens to Roquan, um, from a health perspective, I'm not suggesting that this, thankfully the season is over. So I can hypothetically ask this question, what do you look like without him? And I'm concerned. That is something that I, I'm scared about. And, um, you know, I, but luckily for them, they didn't have to have worry about that. And he was available every week since he had gotten here. So I'd have to just, just by law of averages, I'd have to give them probably a B minus or C plus, however you decide to feel that way. Because as phenomenal as they played at the beginning of the season, they did not look like that. I mean, uh, phenomenal as they played at the end of the season. I'm sorry. They didn't look like that at the beginning of the season. So that's... I do want to say too, like Roquan deserves a ton of credit, but oh, absolutely! I, I think it's a lot of players on the defense that got better as the year went on, which yeah, also sure. went into you know why why they finished as strong as they did. Kyle yep. Hamilton, night and day difference yep. from week eighteen to like week one or week two. two. Kyle Hamilton, no, we even get that Dolphins game, yeah, at all, at all, totally different guy. Uh, you 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 look at Patrick Queen and what he was playing like to start the season compared to what he played like to finish the season. You know, um, I, I feel like the defense as a whole was really good. The secondary as a whole, the secondary, you know, started out shaky outside of Marcus Williams, who was getting an interception a game to start the season. Yep. But other than that, um, the secondary was, was fairly shaky uh, and they they kind of put a lid on that for the most part, in the second half of the season. Mike McDonald, who we'll talk about coaches later, I thought he got better as the year went on. Some of the the mistakes he made in play calling in the Dolphins or the Bills game, you started to see that change as the year went on as well. I I agree. From the offensive perspective, uh, what would you grade them for the year? Oh, offense, another team. I don't, I don't want to say a tale of two halves. They had a good first quarter. The offense had a good first quarter. Uh, September was really good for them. Lamar wins offensive Play of the month, yep. Um, they're one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. They're one of the best passing attacks in the league for the first month of the season. And that did not last uh, very long. This offense <laughs> really nosedive as the season went on. I got to give this offense a D, to be honest with you. It was uh, very good running the ball. But as good as they were running the ball, it wasn't good enough and a lot due to their own decisions. And, again, we'll get to coaching later, but I I think play calling played a, a factor as, and as to why the run run game wasn't as dominant as it should have been. Um, the passing game was completely dead. Receiving core, one of the worst in the league. Uh, offensive line, though, was elite. 
offensive line was really elite. Lamar, even before Lamar got hurt, wasn't necessarily looking sharp. He had his games, the Bucks second half, the, the Saints game. Um, you know, he, he had his moments for sure, but this offense was terrible. I mean, let's just call it what it is. The offense was was bad this year. It was the the main reason why the Ravens weren't able to get where they wanted to be uh, at at the season end. This was a team that was in first place in the division for most of the year, and they they fumbled all over themselves um, as down the stretch of the season. So I'm going to give the offense a D. I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you. I, I was going to give them a D or C minus. Um, you know, you kind of said a lot of the things that I would have said already. I think that you know Lamar going out. Yes, it it hurts this offense um, because you know Lamar is the star uh, in terms of what they can do on his team. But like you already mentioned, it, but prior to his injury, I mean, it wasn't like they were lightening things up anyway. Um, they were struggling. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the personnel that they had. A lot of that has to do with the coaching. But a, a lot of it was execution. And, you know, I, I just really feel like, um, like you said, I think the Saints game was probably the last game where I really felt like offensively they looked like a, a competent offense. Well, you could say the Jaguars game, but – that's because they put up points, but they looked shaky as hell during that game. You know what I mean? I'm talking about like where you didn't feel like there was any issue. Um, to me, my last game that I felt like they were complete in complete control was the Saints game. So, you know, this it's a struggle. And then when we already know what the statistics are when Lamar isn't playing, they don't score as many points. They, you know, can't get things going so you know this offense really needs some work and um yes they need players but also i think that there's ways to get guys schemed up and i, I just feel like that there's there's some some slacking there and you already mentioned we'll talk about where we see coaches uh but ultimately the execution was at times just as poor so i have to give them a c minus a d plus as well uh special teams what you got yeah, uh, special teams, not the sharpest this year. And I, I still think this is one of the better special teams units in the league, still very well coached. Obviously, when you got the greatest kicker of all time, you're going yeah. to be in the league group um, who yet again is going to another uh, Pro Bowl. But And Nick Moore, who's a second team all, all, uh, all pro this year, long snapper. Uh, kudos to him. But I, I'm going to give this special teams – maybe a B, you know, a couple of missed field goals. Uh, you had more blocked. You had a consecutive games with field goals being blocked. Yep. Um, Dev, the return game wasn't necessarily as spectacular as it was last year. Uh, Duvernay still had a kickoff return for a touchdown, started the Dolphins game off uh, with a kick return to the house. Um, but the re returns weren't as explosive as they were last year. Uh that didn't necessarily give up big returns, but they did give up big returns in key moments. I felt like in late game situations, they did allow teams to get started off with good field position here and there. Yeah, I, I think I could give the, the special teams a B, maybe even a B plus possibly. I'm giving them a C. Um, you already mentioned the specialty, uh, the, the block field goals. I don't think Jordan Stout was that great. Nice. I think he could use some work in this off season. Hopefully, um, we, he can, he can learn from the best of them in terms of punting by having Sam cook, help him with some things. Um, because I'm not, not that he was terrible, but he wasn't great. Uh, and so you, he needs some work. You already mentioned like, you know, that there was, there was, there were some explosive plays. Ironically, we, you know, Justice Hill had a great play, mm -hmm. uh, in the Steelers game, but I think we forget about it because of the sequence of what happened like shortly after that. Um, and so, you know, he's been okay in filling in for DuVernay. Poor, uh, Prochet hasn't really given me much um, since he's been playing in special teams and he's been, you know, um, returning punts. So, I, you know, uh, I, I don't – I think that this, this special teams need work. I, and, and I'm not necessarily saying Justin Tucker, but Justin Tucker also had two blocked field goals as well. And so I'm, I'm not used to seeing that – he had a missed – Extra point too. Am I tripping? 
this year. Uh, yeah, he did miss an extra point, I believe. And look, I understand. Look, Justin Justin Tucker has been in the league since 2012. So he has played in his 13th NFL season. And yes, kickers can play until their 40s or whatever. I mean, Tom Brady can play quarterback in 45. I'm sure Justin Tucker got another 10 years left in him. I'm just making the point that he's either towards the end of his prime or on the sunset of his prime. You understand what I'm saying? Because he's already, uh, he's 11 seasons in already. So I, I, you know, I, I think he still plays at a very high level. Um, I'm not taking anything away from him by any means. I'm just saying that there was a slight drop off from Justin Tucker, but he's still a phenomenal player. Everybody else around him is the ones that I got more of an issue with than Justin Tucker. So, um, I, I think that this is a C. I think that they have to work on that. Do you need to call Jerry Rosberg back? Does he need his job back? Because <laughs> you're missing some elements here. I, I don't know what, what to tell you, but hopefully um, you can find, you know, maybe DuVernay comes back and you can and you can have your return or your true returner that you, you know, needed down the stretch. And it also um, helping Jordan Stout really kind of boom those kicks to get some field position. So, that's my grade for the special teams. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, before we get into our last topic, make sure that you are subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that when me and Cordell have new topics about your Baltimore Ravens, you will be the first to hear it. All right, Cordell, we did offense, defense, special teams. So now let's do coaches. Ooh. And we, we started with the defense. So let's start with offensive huh. <laughs> and, and we'll get to head coaching life. I, I don't necessarily have to do special teams coaches. I mean, because yeah. it, it, we right. can we can do offense, defense, head coach. Okay. Let's let's do that. Um, let's start with the uh, offense. What would you grade the offensive coaches for twenty twenty two? Yeah, I mean, how respectable would I be if? I gave Greg Roman more than more than a D grade. I mean, who could, <laughs> who could take my my opinion seriously at that point anymore if I did that. So, I mean, the, a D is the ceiling, right? Um, they were still a very good rushing attack, but like I said earlier, I think due to Greg Roman and his too cute play call, and at times it hindered how good of a rushing attack they could be. Um, is situational play calling was arguably some of the worst I've seen in the NFL. Uh, red zone was not good this year. A lot of reasons due to execution, but a, a lot of it due to play calling. Too many times inside the five or inside the 10, they go away from the run game. They go away from their running backs. They did it again in the, in the playoff game. It, it's just happened way too many times. And, the guys breaking the huddle at the last second and getting to the line with little to no time on the play clock. And it's too many inexcusable things happen on the offensive side of the ball. I got to give Greg Roman an F this year. I mean, he straight up <laughs> failed. I think he really failed this offense this year. That was not the most talented group, albeit I understand that. But I think that's when coaching has to come into play. And I think that there are moments in – throughout this season that we could look at issues on this offense and say, okay, that's just a talent issue. I can't necessarily blame Greg Roman for that. That's just a receiver dropping the ball. That's just a quarterback not seeing who's open. That's just a, a guy missing a block or a running back taking a bad hole. Like there have been instances to where we could see that there's just, that that's the, on the players for not executing, but way too many times has it been this season that has been a coaching 
uh, issue for me. Even if we want to go back to the earlier parts of the season to where they blew some of those leads, and albeit they had a lot of they they scored you, you know 30 points in some of those games that they lost. You're supposed to win those games. The defense was not at its peak early in the season. We'll acknowledge that. But I also think that a part of the problem was the offense kind of taking their foot off the gas and getting complacent and just getting accustomed to just punting or taking field goals instead of continuing to score touchdowns. They could not close out games on the offensive or defensive end of the ball this year. Um, that was a common factor throughout the season. So Greg Roman gets an F for me. I, I just don't think that he did a good job at all. Um, I thought that he was stubborn in some of his game plan decisions. I thought he was just losing his mind with some of the play calls that he made. Just I, I, You can't explain to me why you think doing a read option with Mark Andrews on three on 31 in the first call was a was a smart idea when you've got two running backs who are averaging over five yards a carry and are begging you to give them the ball. There is nothing more dangerous than a motivated running back in short yardage situations. If you've got a running back begging you to give them the ball when it's third and one, give them the ball. It just it, it is mind blowing to me some of the things that he did this year to get in his own way. He he's the he he earned this F this year. I'm gonna give him a D minus. Um, and and because I, at the end of the day, I do, I do think that he still has really good run uh, run concepts. I think that they're great. Um, I, and I I I don't have too much of an issue with some of his passing concepts. I do have an issue with his his play calling. It's terrible. He does not understand the flow of the game. He doesn't have a feel for the flow of the game. Um, you know, I, I it, it's telling how out of touch he is mm -hmm. on flow of games. Um, and so, you know, when people say read the room, like Greg Roman does not know how to read the room, like at all when it comes to um, play calling and it's problematic. And now you're at the point where you have guys like JK Dobbins speaking up about, you know, his lack of role and he's not wrong. You know, I, I agree with him in the, in the sense of, he should be getting the ball inside, you know, anytime they're in the red zone, you got to give your running backs the ball. And, and you know, that's what you brought them back for in terms of, you know, having him activated, having him play, having, you know, after his after he went and got his knees scoped out over these things. So, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very short of giving him an F, but a D minus ain't no better. I mean, I don't think it's passing in most like colleges. If you, if you ask yeah. um, what, it, what, what that uh, goes to, I just think that he, he is um, not, uh, he has not done a service to this team. Um, I think that at many a times his play calling have been fireable offenses, which is why I don't understand why we haven't heard anything as of yet in what case you could actually make that he deserves to come back. Um, and I think that, you know, his time is up. And and I, I'm not, I have to say this to understand too, Cordell, that Greg Roman has had top, 10 offenses here in Baltimore, you know, mm -hmm. um, except for last year. I don't know what his numbers are, are finally like this year. I apologize and not knowing that off top. Um, but I know um, it ain't a top 10 offense. I can assure you that. Right. They weren't. <laughs> I would have to assume that they were and they weren't last year. And obviously last year was they had so many injuries. You know, it is what it is. But those previous years, they were they were top 10 offenses, um, nine, 19 and 20. For sure. And I think at 19 and 20 for sure. Um, and so you just got to you got to figure out when to hold him, when to fold him. And I just I do think that the Ravens have to find a way to move on from him because you, you need some fresher concepts. You need somebody that's going to play your best players at all times um, and not short them because you want to outsmart the other team, because most times you outsmart yourself when you do things like that on the defensive side. Uh would you, I'll, I'll start because I'm, I'm not going to be – I'll let you elaborate, but I'm sure we'll say the same thing. I'm going to give Mike McDonald a B, a solid B. Um, I think that he had a little shaky start, um, but I think that the acquisition of Roquan allowed him to run the defense the way he would he liked to run. I do think that he has to find, find a way to um, 
not be in positions that he was in, like the Jaguars game, where you're just giving them way too much cushion mm-hmm. and, and allowing them to, to – too many times Mike McDonald wants – the play to be in front of them because he did it in the Bengals game as well. Um, you know, they, so they don't press a ton um, because you, you you want the guys to be in front of you to tackle, not behind you, you chasing after them. And I get, and while I understand the logic, I think you have to trust your players to do their jobs. And so it's very disappointing when you get Calais Campbell on a second down in Jacksonville to get a sack and then third down, you have, you given them basically 30 yards of the field, <laughs> for them for them to, to be a wide open coverage for somebody to come out and get something to shorten that field. So um, I'm going to give him a B um, because I do think he had, after a shaky start, he did have a solid finish. Yeah, I, I think a B is, is cool. I, I, maybe somebody could convince me to maybe bump it up to a B plus, but I, I can't, I can't really complain about a B another one Taylor two halves even with his play calling um I think he got comfortable as the year went on and you're right Roquan Smith uh joining the team gives him a little bit more comfortability to do some of the things he likes to do Roquan is able to take up two or three jobs and it helped a guy like Patrick Queen who was probably doing a little too much before Roquan got there to take the load off of his plate a little bit, I think helped everybody. But even the way that he used Kyle Hamilton this year, I I was impressed. Um, Yes. I I think that the way that the defense was able to be sustainable, even with Marcus Williams being out as long as he was, a lot of credits got to go to Geno Stone. I thought Geno played really well in place of Marcus Williams, Um, not necessarily at a Pro Bowl level, but he was serviceable. Um, back there. I, I, I just thought that the defense did a, a really good job of game planning more times than not. I agree with you. Them, like the offense, had a problem with closing out games. Yep. Uh, you brought up the Jacksonville game and, you know, just not being able to play that 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 limbo game of, okay, not letting the guy, not, not letting anything get over our heads, but also still being aggressive enough to where we're keeping some of the pressure on the offensive side of the ball, they they weren't. If you're going to if you're going to give that type of cushion, you got to be able to to and, and and if you're going to play that, if you're going to give that type of cushion, and if you're going to play as much zone as the Ravens play, you have to be able to tackle once these guys catch the ball. You cannot allow them uh, to get these yak opportunities that they allowed the Jaguars to have in on the back end of that game. So that's the one thing that that concerns me. But when you look at them at the back end of the season and you look at the way the defense played the last two weeks, both games against Cincinnati, um, you got to be pleased. Now, they weren't that defense against the Steelers the week before, but that was, I think, just kind of – that was arguably their worst performance, I thought, in the second half of the season uh, against Pittsburgh. Just didn't have that bully mentality. You saw a defense getting pushed around, allowing the run – you know, it's just a lot of uncharacteristic things happen in that game for them. But overall, I thought I thought Mike McDonald did pretty well. And lastly, uh, head coach, um, I'm going to give Harbaugh a C. May, I'm, I'm in between a C and a C minus. Um, at the end of the day, I think he's still a very good coach, Cordell. However, I think that his emotional play calling and by that, I mean, um, when they were in situations where they thought that they got a first down, but they, then they got respotted to a fourth down and he would get upset. And so he would go for it on fourth down, but didn't really have a good game plan for it. Just, he just wanted to go for it because, you know, he was upset about the call or, um, you know, the way he handled the, the Lamar situation in terms of like what he would say in updates or um, simply, you know, being the head coach, but when you're asked questions about, you know, why this guy wasn't, why wasn't Gus Edwards running? Why didn't such and such, why didn't they run the ball more? And you keep kind of throwing, you know, subtly throwing Greg Roman under the bus, but you're the head coach. Um, I got a problem with that. And so, you know, look, great for you to find a way to get this team into the playoffs without having Lamar the last five games. That's, that's a great accomplishment, but um, it, it wasn't enough. And, and you, you have to do better. So that's where I'm at. I'm between a C and a C minus. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in that same area to be honest with you. Uh, I I would give Harbs, man. I'm I'm thinking probably a C minus. Honestly, I, it's it's tough to really uh, 
give him anything higher just because a lot of the things that went wrong this year, they, they fall at his feet. You know, he allowed a lot of this stuff to happen. He allowed a lot of these play calls that Greg Roman was putting out there to happen. And um, some of his personnel decisions, and it just seemed like this year, Harbs just sat back a little too much and allowed, you know, it to be a free for all out there. He, he allowed, uh, he allowed Roman to, to kind of do what he wanted offensively, never really intercepted any of the calls. Even when you brought up the Gus Edwards thing, it's like, don't get to the press conference Monday talking about your, you, you wish Gus Edwards had gotten more. <laughs> that should have been something that happened during the game. Devin Duvernay, we asked about Devin Duvernay all year, uh, not being a focal point of the offense. And it, we would get the same type of responses. Just too many times I felt like Harb sat on his hands and allowed the team to kind of, run themselves into the ground, so to speak. And he just stood there and he watched it. And then we'll get to the press conference and he'd throw the player or he'd throw Roman under the bus. I I think a lot of the things he's got to take responsibility for. I do give him credit for getting his guys ready to play each week. They One thing about the Ravens, they're going to show up and they're going to put up a fight. And I think that they embody his personality when it comes yeah. to that. I, I do think he gets them ready to play. I don't want to take that away from, from him. And I do think that they respect him still. And I, I'm not in the boat of where I think Harbs needs to be fired just yet, but I do think that he's going to be on the hot seat going into next year, and rightfully so. One playoff win since 2014 isn't going to cut it. They have had some really good years, um, and I get that the last two years he he can kind of go to the injury bug as to why things didn't work out the way they did. But I think this year more than last year, you can't really lean on the injuries as much. You could look at the games and say, you had opportunities to win all of these games. You didn't. And, and a lot of the reasons you can go back to coaching being a big reason as to why they didn't win some of these games, whether it's his coaching decisions or it's Roman's coaching decisions. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's the head guy. He's going to take responsibility. He gets a C minus for me. I completely agree. So those are our grades for the coaches as well as the players. Um, we will find out on Thursday about what the press conference is. Cordell and I will talk about what was discussed at the press conference on our Friday version of the Winning Drive podcast. We'll go over what we heard, what we think was BS, what we think was real, uh, because it's going to be a lot of BS thrown around. So you got to separate the the fake from the real. We'll, we'll, We'll talk about that on the Friday podcast. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. From Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.